it's just learning to listen to God, you know, and I always say where there's life, there is God, you know, so, I mean, it, this is the uh, an, an absolutely amazing thing. We kept hearing that people, uh, people's churches had diminished in lockdown and especially the Sunday schools, people reopened their church and the children had gone. We opened our church again and we had gained 15 children because we realised that children like being outside. So it made sense if the children were enjoying outdoor Sunday school, we had grown the, the younger church that way to, to keep it. So it's really listening to what God is saying to you and seeing where there's life. You know, if people are coming to faith, if people are more interested in, in what we're doing and, and the Christian message, keep, keep doing it. I just go by how I came to faith. You know, I came to faith as a 27, 28 year old woman. You know, I was just in a church that loved me for who I was. I was never judged about my past. I was never made to feel uncomfortable about my past. I was just unconditionally loved. That helped me to blossom into my God-given self. Uh, and then I was able to recognize the gifts and talents and skills that God had given me. All ages and stages together, all feeling valued. Resurrection life is a life of purpose and meaning and, and joy. Welcome to Emerging Emmaus. And tonight we've got a fantastic story to tell with the help of Lindsay Brennan and some of our team at Dundonald Parish Church. And it's interesting, Dundonald Parish Church was the church that our folk from Fullerton in the harbour side here in Irvine used to go to. Seven miles they used to walk to worship at Dundonald Parish Church until 1838 when they planted a church here in Fullerton and the building was built and the rest is history. And we are still going and they're still going in Dundonald. It's fantastic to learn what's happening in Dundonald. And it's, it's not rocket science. It's a people who are learning to love their community. And so it's great to introduce Lindsay Brennan and, and some of our team, Sandy and Tash. So Lindsay, tell us a wee bit about yourself. You've been there for four years and tell us a wee bit about your team that are with you today. Oh, thank you, Neil, and thank you for that lovely introduction. Yeah, my name is Lindsay Brennan, and I was ordained and inducted into the parish of Dundonald uh, four years ago, and it's been a real joy to to serve the parish. Um, so I brought today um, Sandy Maver, who is one of my elders, and he is also the team convener of our mission and outreach team. And I've also invited uh, Natasha McVeigh, to be here today as well. Um, Natasha joined the church in 2021. Um, Natasha's got a, a, quite an interesting story of how she came to faith. Um, and I thought that it was a story that is worth sharing today. So that's who I've got with me today. Lovely. And we've got the Hardy Annuals, Steve Acethorpe and Ruth Kennedy co-hosting this with us. And uh, we look forward to their input and involvement and questions as well. So Lindsay, You've been four years in the parish and you're still in there. Uh, and lockdown, in fact, was opportunity, wasn't it? Tell us a bit about you. You know, you entered the parish, lockdown slammed in on you. Uh, what, what did you do? What happened and what's happened since? When my initial call to be a Church of Scotland minister came, I kept saying to people, but I'm not really a proper minister. And when I started discerning what that meant was I, I felt more comfortable out with the walls of the church. So I love what happens on a Sunday morning, but I feel alive when I'm serving God outside the walls of the church and being really engaged in a community and helping people to find God where they're at. Um, I just I just love um, 
you know, going into spaces and just hearing what people have got to, to say. And I just feel that quite blessed that I'm able to have faith-based conversations wherever I go. So in lockdown, for me, it was almost a catalyst to do mission. It gave me permission not having to do stuff the traditional way because our churches were locked. So we had to think creatively, we had to think outside the box and we had to think about how we can do things differently. And I think God really blessed that time here. So um, it was all very organic and all very creative and all very just responding to the need that was in the village. So straight away, we realised that we had a lot of people that were housebound, that were having to shield, that weren't even allowed to go on their daily walk. Uh, and we started thinking, well, how can we bless these people? So a ministry of uh, bags of joy, where we gave out nearly a thousand bags of joy to people in our community was birthed. Um, in those bags were our contact magazine, our, our magazine that we publish was prayer cards as well as essential supplies. Um, so we really felt that for us, COVID, as, as difficult as it was of a time, it really gave us a way to actually communicate to our parish. And I think from what people have said to me, it gave people that weren't churchgoers a different perspective of what church was all about. We were suddenly on the map and people understood that we were part of the community uh, and that we were people to be uh, trusted and people that cared for not just us inside the church, but also people outside the walls. Fantastic. And you serve a rural community. Tell us a wee bit about some of the things that grew out of that caring for your community. You mentioned the community starting to trust you. Clearly, you had your your bags that you gave out uh, and there's other stuff that's grown out of that care and that loving concern aren't there yeah i mean it was really good so we did the bags of joy for mainly the older sheltered um people in the community but then we realized that the children were really missing out so we did a lot of like online sunday school and i did online school chaplaincy but then we were kind of thinking, well, these children, uh, just as giving an example of how the ministry and mission grew, these children are now not able to have summer holidays. They're not allowed, They're not able to go uh, uh, go on holiday with their parents, but they're still having to, you know, to, to stay at home. So we ended up uh, working, partnering with the school, and we gave out another 300 bags of a summer fun, I think we called it. For the children so that we gave parents activities that they can do in their garden and around the woods of Dundonald um, so that we could create holidays at home um, and you know we we felt that that was a real time of blessing the children but also gave us an opportunity to engage with the teachers more as well and from that um, came the idea of when I wasn't allowed to go back into the school to do chaplaincy the teachers were allowed back but the extra support staff weren't allowed into the school. We came up with the idea of doing woodland chaplaincy. So now the school prefer it when I don't come into the school, they prefer it when I take classes out with um, the school. So in May, I'm doing again, this will be the fourth time of doing it, I'm doing woodland chaplaincy where I take each year group out to the woods for an hour and a half and we um, do songs and teaching. We reenact Bible stories in the woods of Dundonald. Um, and then they go back to the school and they learn more about the Bible story. And I always try and link it into some of the school values. Um, in lockdown, what they did was they, they learnt this Bible story, we reenacted it in the woods, and then they went back to the school, they drew pictures about the Bible story, they talked about what they learned, and then we used the railings outside the church to house all their children's work. So it became um, church out with 
uh, the walls of the church. So, um, you know, the, the teachers, the pupils and the church members could all see what I was doing with the kids. So some of the things that were birthed in lockdown have stayed because it's such a better thing to do. You know, the children are doing their daily mile at the same time. We're getting the kids that maybe aren't taken into the woods, even though they live really nearby to explore the outdoors. And we're teaching them about the love of God. So um, that was just something that was birthed in lockdown that we've we've kept going. Fantastic. And let, let's bring Sandy and Tash in. Maybe you could share with us a wee bit about your journey with Dundonald Parish and and Jesus, what uh, I imagine, Sandy, you were, in, were you already involved in the church beforehand, or did you live nearby and and uh, come to get involved in the church? Tash, you've come from from out with the congregation. So, what about yourself, Sandy? First, what what what's what's your story in all of this? I've had the blessing. I can hardly believe this, but being in Dundonald for thirty two years now. So I'm decidedly one of the senior category within the church. And over these past four years, it has been just an amazing blessing to just have our youth uh, work coming to life. Because I think uh, for us older people, there is nothing better than seeing some young people around to keep us young at heart. And so it's been very much just uh, working really to follow Lindsay's uh, vision. And it was something actually that came up right at the beginning when uh, Lindsay just joined us four years ago and I had the privilege of being on the committee, the vacancy committee. And we were all very moved by her calling that she had for Dundonald. I think after about 10 minutes in the into the interview, the first question was, why she felt she should was into or should come to Dundonald, and she had shared her vision and how the Lord had led her to it. And I think we all felt at that stage where well, we didn't need to go on with the interview, although we did for another forty-five minutes or an hour. But it was that vision that has really just come to life within the church in these last four years. And so we've been very blessed. Sometimes when a vision like that comes into effect. Uh, maybe older people in my category would uh, feel, oh, you know, this is taking out of our comfort zone. But I think we need to get out of our comfort zone in order to see the Lord work in the village. And that's what we're seeing at the moment. So I'll maybe hand over to Tash. I came to Lindsay at the church because I lost my son. So, and I found that I was made so welcome and so much love in the church that, sorry, <laughs> um, that I wanted to keep going. I wanted to keep having that love in that church. So now I do, um, sorry, my voice is rent. So now I, I help um, in Floyd's and I also go the women's group and I take trying to take a lot of um, inspiration from the church and the love that I can get. That's fantastic. So Tash, um, the week she lost uh, Leon, Leon was only 18 years yeah. old. Um, uh, Natasha was trying to get into the church the week that um, Leon died and the church building was closed. She was wanting to come in uh, and, and pray. But thankfully, she came to a, a Sunday service where she could get in 
and um there was a an uh, the church was really busy that sunday because we had a baptism on and it was full of uh, visitors and and young people and, and children but thankfully somebody an elder in my church realized a young woman had come in that wasn't part of the baptismal fat uh, party that we hadn't seen before and she followed Natasha outside and then heard Natasha's story that her son had just died um, a couple of days ago. Um, so I had gone to visit Natasha just after the service and ended up leading um, Leon's funeral. And Natasha was obviously very uh, vulnerable um, after that because there's no greater loss any parent has to experience than the loss of a child. So we, we just um, protected Natasha and, and put a lot of care around her uh, I put a lot of support around her and uh, Natasha got involved in um, the prayer ministry quite early on, which was every week. And myself and my community walk worker would walk with Natasha in the Dundonald Woods. And um, over time, Natasha um, did the joining the church group. She did Alpha. She did the discipleship group and she came to faith in uh, 2021. And now is one of our um, really amazing helpers on Alpha. And she volunteers every Monday at Floyd's Community Cafe. And the old people just love Natasha. So um, through a lot of hurt and a lot of pain, uh, Natasha's found a love for the Lord that just shines from her. And um, she's got a story that really helps other people that are going through really difficult and hard times know that there is hope and there's still life. It's beautiful, beautiful. You mentioned Floyd's Cafe and Alpha, uh, and just before I bring Ruth and, and Steve in to, to ask some questions, maybe tell us a wee bit about uh, Floyd's and, and Alpha. You, you've had 35 plus people involved in Alpha from what I hear, and, and uh, that's a great story itself. But what about Floyd's Cafe? Yeah, so God, had, when I came to the village in 2019, I really felt um, I'd come to a village of two halves. It's the only way I could describe Dundonald. You've got quite an affluent, uh, lovely part of Dundonald where people are working and they've got cars. And I always say that, you know, if you've got a car and you've got money, Dundonald is a lovely place to live because you can go to the garden centres, you can go to the Auckland's bar and restaurant for a meal. Um, you can leave the village with your car to go to Troon, to the beach. But if you don't have a car and if you're, um, you're on benefits and you maybe don't have the income, then it can be a very difficult place to live because there wasn't an awful lot of resources for people, especially single parents. So when I came to the village, I started looking at the village through the lens of people that were unemployed and who were single parents. And it kind of broke my heart to see that there was a lot of loneliness. There was a lot of dependency on alcohol and there was very little services for people. So I started to partner with um, everybody that wanted to speak to me, the Dundonald uh, Castle and Visitor Centre, the local GP, the head teachers, the health visitors, South Ayrshire Council and uh, South Ayrshire Food Bank. And uh, together we partnered to research whether there was a need for a community cafe hub and food bank. And I also um, partnered with the priority area team in the Church of Scotland. Although Dundonald isn't a priority area, it has real pockets of deprivation. And they helped me to see that access to services was the, the problem that was in Dundonald. So we birthed Floyd's, which was to be a 
Community Cafe Hub and Food Bank, and it was supposed to open in March 2020. <laughs> in March 2020, we all know what happened. Um, we couldn't open up Floyd's, but we did uh, help people with food parcels during lockdown. So Floyd's actually only managed to be birthed in September 2021, um, and it's been an absolutely amazing blessing. It's been a safe space for all the community to enjoy. We felt, we realised after COVID that the older generation actually were really uh, struggling to reintegrate. So Floyd's has been a space where we've helped people um, have the confidence to socially engage with other people again. We've, we've really helped older people find their feet. But on top of that, um, because we give away free breakfast and lunch, we have a lot of vulnerable families that come to feed their children. Um, we partner with so many other um, groups, including South Ayrshire Council, and we, we signpost people to other services like welfare, benefits, housing. Um, so it, it kind of Floyd's um, operates on lots of different levels. From a missional point of view, it's the place where I do most of my evangelism, being able to um, really show people the love of Jesus in a very natural and easy way in a, a really safe environment. And from Floyd, we've had people that have joined in to other church events like a pie, a pint and a parable, Alpha, um, the men's ministry, the walking ministry. So I feel from Floyd's, we've managed to um, really help people that maybe would feel not confident walking through a church building on their own, take the steps to actually find their faith in Jesus. Uh, so Floyd's is just an after delight. It's the highlight of my week. I always say three and a half hours and Floyd's just powers me for the uh, the rest of the week. It's it's a, a real gift. And yeah, and I think a lot of people that are doing Alpha, we have met them through the doors of Floyd. So we have, I think, 30 participants doing Alpha and we've got five helpers. Um, so Wednesday nights are just a lot of fun. And uh, we, we uh, partner with our local pub and restaurant and they host the meal for us. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's really exciting. And, and you've been able to source that money from your congregation and others to to help finance that which is it's fantastic i got four and a half thousand pounds in two weeks <laughs> to host to host floyd's uh, to host alpha so that folk could come and get a free meal and and enter into alpha without any hindrance fantastic brilliant so ruth and steve tell us uh, give us give us some of your own thoughts and questions ruth what about yourself Oh, I am loving this because all that I'm hearing and it's just oozing through the screens and the audio is just love, um, but not kind of abstract, airy, fairy type love, real concrete, life changing love. And it's so clear, Lindsay, that you have such a love for the Lord and such a love for the people. But equally, we're hearing from Sandy and Tasha, there's this real love for you and for the Lord and also for the community that's in them as well. Um, so it's really uh, encouraging and delightful to hear and to see uh, about the love of Jesus in action. I think that's maybe one of the phrases that you've possibly said. Um, I, I've got a wondering um, and I'm so thankful, Tasha, that you've been here and you're happy to share your story and, and just how Jesus is with you and all of that. Um, and as it ties in with a bit with what you were saying, Sandy, about that need to get out the comfort zone. Lindsay, you said that uh, an elder knew they recognised that Tasha wasn't part of that baptismal party. And then you said about the church just loving Tasha and protecting her. 
And I'm just wondering, how did you and your church know what to do? That That's a really good question because I think people, when someone's going through a really hard time like Natasha had to go through, people sometimes want to walk the other way because they can't cope with an, the, the uh, enormity, enorm, what's the word? The, the intensity of someone else's pain. Um, I'm really blessed that I have found a wonderful missional community worker called Tony, and that's another God-given story of how um, she came to work with me. But Tony and I ha share the same heart um, for the Lord. We just love Jesus. And, you know, we just prayed and we just asked God to guide us and what we have to do with Natasha. We just relied on and, and God giving us the right words to say when we were praying with Natasha. Um, and we just knew, we just both felt that we had to, in the early days especially, keep her safe. I think Natasha's happy for me to share, but I mean, when you lose a child, you don't want to live yourself. You just you just want to be away as well because you have lost the most amazing blessing that um, anyone can have. And we just became very aware that... Um, we needed to look after the skill and we needed to show her that God still had a purpose and plan for her life. So we just did what was natural and it was to love and, and to walk. I think there's something healing about the, the woods here in Dundonald. And when someone's walking, I'm look, we're looking at the road to Emmaus um, on Sunday. But when people are walking, um, you know that they're freer in, in order to, in to express themselves. So we just made sure she was kept busy. Uh, and, and reminded of how important and how special she was in the eyes of God. Um, so I think a real reliance on our faith because we were completely out of our comfort zone because neither of us had uh, worked with a young person that had lost a, a child before. That was new to both of us. Thanks. Thanks so much. Stephen. Yeah, thank you. Thanks so much, Lindsay, Sandy and Tash for sharing your story. And Well, one of the many things that struck me as you told the story was um, you talked about the different things that you've done over the years, but you had little phrases that linked them together. So at one point you said, and then we realized, and so we did this other thing. And then he said, and from that, we did this other thing. So the, the picture, as I listened to it, not knowing your situation firsthand, was how one thing led to another thing. And I would love to hear a little bit more about that in-between bit. So within the life of, of the congregation, and I guess particularly the leadership of the church, what does that, that in-between bit look like? How, how do you realise from one thing what you might do next? I think it's just learning to listen to God, you know, and I always say where there's life, there is God, you know. So, I mean, this is the uh, absolutely amazing thing. We kept hearing that people uh, people's churches had diminished in lockdown and especially the Sunday schools people reopened their church and the children had gone. We opened our church again and we had gained 15 children because we realised that children like being outside. So why bother having them? We can actually bring our Sunday school back safely with the pandemic restrictions and how we had to be so many metres apart. And we have a very limited space in Dundonald. We have a lack of buildings. So we did outdoor Sunday school because we had to do outdoor Sunday school because we had no other option because we didn't have any safe buildings to have the children in. So it made sense if the children were enjoying outdoor Sunday school, we had grown the, the younger church that way to, to keep it. Um, so, um, yeah, so it's really listening to what God is saying to you and seeing where there's life. You know, if people are coming to faith, if people are more interested in, in what we're doing and, and the Christian message, keep 
keep doing it. Do you know, there's just some things that, you know, if there's no fruit, then maybe that's an indication to stop. But because there was fruit there, why stop doing it? Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. One of the things that people are looking for is, are, you know, is the silver bullet, is the formula, is the program that will deliver the goods. Uh, but what Steve's drawn out there is that that it's, and what you said, Lindsay, is that it's about listening to Jesus. It's about listening to God. It's about tuning in. And it's about letting him lead step by step as you learn to love God, love your neighbor as you love yourself, which is 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 absolutely fantastic. And to see the, the church come alive the way it is coming alive and people committing, stepping up, being baptized and committing to, to follow Jesus and be a part of the, the church community. Sandy, I wonder if you could tell us a wee bit from, you know, you've been there for over 30 years. There's no doubt that there's a great sense of, of God is God is working, God's in the move. And whenever God is in the move, the enemy's always lurking, he's always looking, he's always sniping, he's always looking to undermine and, and counter what's happening. You know, what resistance have you found uh, and how have you been handling that? Last night, actually, we were having what we what we call an elders book club and we're looking at Tommy McNeil's sleeping giant and as it happened it, we were on chapter six and it was all about us oldies and I, I think that one of the very uh, good quotes that uh, Tommy gave us was that whenever God is wanting to move as with the 12 tribes of Israel going into the promised land there will often be 10 who are opposed to it. And only two of them were actually happy to go ahead. And so in the same way as whenever God is working, I think there, there is, as you say, an enemy that tries to stop things. And you get the question, oh, it will be impossible to do this or giving lots of reasons why we shouldn't do it. And yes, I think that's a natural ten tendency within every one of us, in a sense. And that's when we've all got to look at ourselves and make sure that our motivation is right and we're depending on God, not on our human strength, but on God's will. And it was almost like Jesus saying to Peter that Peter was still looking at things through human eyes rather than God's eyes. And I think that's the challenge for us all. And we will always have that tendency to pull back to our human understanding rather than letting God work in our lives and work in the community. And so that's what we're seeking to do now, to work with Lindsay in the community, although there are those old, the old man trying to hold us back a wee bitty. So we just have to keep alert to that. That's great, Sandy. And, and leadership is, is so important. And the handing on of leadership to uh, younger people and new people that are coming around. Uh, how, how is the leadership of the congregation evolving, Lindsay? Yeah, I mean, we've had to do a lot of restructuring in line of what the National Church wants us to do. So we've gone from a, a modal constitution to a unitary constitution, and I'm currently now rolling out the, the team ministry structure. Um, I've done a big sermon series on um, stewardship and about, I'm always saying to people that we've all got God-given gifts. And actually, when we're using our gifts, we are blessed in abundance. It's energy giving when we're using our gifts. And not one of us is without the gifts of God. So that's my main message to the congregation. But I'm hoping with the team ministry structure, 
we'll get more people um, serving. Um, when I came to faith, I always remember that I was um, put to service straight away. I didn't get a chance to sit down on the pew, you know, and I felt totally out of my depth of what they got me doing because I'd come, I was a speech and language therapist um, at the time. They saw I had a gift with older adults and next minute I'm helping lead the care home services of worship and I felt totally out of my depth. But, you know, I had to rely on God straight away. So I think there's something about um, helping people to recognise their gifting and mobilising people and giving people the confidence to step out in faith and, and trying something new. Because I think there's um, once people just get into the habit of attending church and not participating and not serving, that's not a, a good model. And, and actually, they're not getting the, the most out of their faith. It's when we are actually, um, as well as... Um, growing in our understanding and knowledge of God, but also applying our faith in very practical ways. It's when it's how we grow, and I, I think you know, using Natasha as an example, just seeing how Tasha's grown in her faith, and a lot of that's through putting her faith in action and and and, and service, and how much she's learning just of who she is in the eyes of God through how He's blessing her with these gifts that she maybe didn't recognise she had. So, um, yeah, we. Uh, and if there's people in the church that have been doing a job for a long time, I'm always saying to them, well, who else could do that? You know, you're always having to think about, well, who else can we bring on board that can do that job too? So we're not just relying on a, a small cohort, but we, we're like every other church. You know, there's there's just too few people doing a lot of work, but that is not a sustainable model. And what I've been saying to people, a missional church that is a growing, thriving church is a very hard working church. There's nothing easy about um, a, a church, a missional church. There's, you know, it's not an easy ride. It's it's hard graft. Um, and especially when you're trying to steer the ship in an opposite direction. And there's so many uh, people that are wanting to bring you down because you're doing things out of their comfort zone. So it's trying to keep people with you and educating people in a, in a positive way, but not lo losing your courage to speak from your sense of call and how God's leading you um because i do feel like i've got a god-given vision and mission for don donald and i would hate for that not to come into fruition just because people don't want to be challenged so you've got this curious combination of of listening and being still and hearing what god's saying so that you take the next step with the activity that's obviously happening and the service and the growing of new believers and older believers, this, the, this intentional discipleship that is crucial and critical for growing our, our church family uh, and faith. So, so, so do you have a clear sense of, you know, helping people take these steps closer to Jesus and then once they're committed, going into a group and service? Is this, is this something that is quite clear in your, your outlook and your, your planning, Lindsay? Yeah, it kind of is in my head. Maybe I need to write it down. Uh, someone once said that I'm kind of, I don't know, there's some program that the Church of Scotland are doing on mission and I'm just organically doing it, but maybe don't have the theory behind it. But um, but I, I definitely, I just, I just go by how I came to faith. You know, I came to faith as a 27, 28 year old woman. And, you know, I was just in a church that loved me for who I was. I was never judged about my past. I was never made to feel uncomfortable about my past. I was just unconditionally loved that helped me to blossom into my God-given self. Uh, and then I was able to recognize the gifts and talents and skills that God had given me. So that's the model I use just from my own personal experience. 
Um, but I think I, what I love, it's lovely when young people like Natasha come to faith, but it's even, I get even greater joy when there's older people in my congregation that are reignited in their faith. Do you know, they just start properly living for Jesus. They're not just going through the motions of church attendance. They're realizing actually resurrection life is a life of purpose and meaning and, and joy. So it's nice when the older generation also catch the fire. And I think that is so important because our churches should be intergenerational and they shouldn't be separated as well. Lovely. And, and I'm going to bring uh, Steve and Ruth in again, but I also want to give Natasha permission to say something. You know, Natasha, perhaps there's something that, that just a few words that you would like to say that the difference perhaps that that Jesus has made in your life, the difference that, uh, you know, in your daily life and living. Is there something you would you would like to say uh, before Steve and, and Ruth just help us to pick out a few nuggets that we're, we're taking away from today. Natasha? I don't know really what to say. I just, um, I'm just glad that I do have Jesus in my life now and I found a church that really cares for me and I don't know, I like to do things for other people and things and it, it helps me. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so, so Steve, uh, what what uh, what what takeaway from today? So uh, I'm going to take two, if that's all right, Neil. <laughs> well, one is that I was really struck by a number of times in this conversation you talked about the woods and the woodland and being outside and outdoor Sunday school and woodland chaplaincy. Uh, again and again in our minds you've taken us outside of uh, of homes and, and church buildings and and you seem to a, num a number of the things that have been life-giving and have been thriving have been those outdoor things which i just find really interesting and intriguing and i, I kind of see it beyond this conversation as well uh, around scotland there seems to be something going on there um the church finding that to be a really kind of helpful thing, helpful environment. And and the other thing that um, I'm taking away particularly from this conversation is that thing you've talked about gifts and um, any listeners who heard previous conversations, the very first one in this series from Granton, that was a, a big part of that conversation. And it's come up again today, you know, Lindsay, your emphasis on people discovering their, their gifts and talents and experiences, and then uh, allowing that to kind of shape the church and, and the, the ministries that are, are developing, um, you know, rather than having a, a model and, and kind of squeezing people in, seeing seeing who God brings along and helping them to discern what their, their gifts are. So um, I think those are the, the two things that really struck me as theme, recurring themes in, uh, in what I heard today. So. Thanks, Steve. And Ruth? Well, I know Dundonald isn't quite on the coast, but it's not far from the coast, is it? Uh, I had a wee stint in Troon when I was first married and I loved living down there. One of the things I love about the coast is when you're standing on the beach, you get the sea breezes and they are so refreshing. I love them. And that's the feeling I've got when we've been listening and chatting 
just now has been this absolute refreshing um, of God that has been coming through and refreshing because you're doing things in a different way. Whether it is, you know, okay, we don't have big enough buildings, but we've got big enough outside. That's God's buildings. Let's go use them. Um, but it's just that do it in a different way. So another example that you talked about that I'm taking away is uh, serve to discover, not to discover, then serve. So that whole, yeah, just get in and serve and see what you love and what God's put in you. I think that's really refreshing. And the other thing, Sandy, you mentioned this as well. You said you need to get out of your comfort zone. And I think there's such richness from that statement coming from an elder in our church. We, you said, I wrote it down, we need to get out of our comfort zone. So refreshing to hear that coming from our church eldership, our church leadership. This is something we need to do to get out of our comfort zone. Um, fantastic takeaways today. I'm just so blessed by the conversation. Thank you. Lovely, lovely. Thank you. Thanks, Ruth. And, and for me, it is that curious combination between contemplation and being still and listening, tuning into God and then responding uh, with activity, with action, and and finding the God ideas, not just the good ideas, as we've reflected in the past with, with Tommy McNeil. So thanks so much, team. Thank you so much, Lindsay, Natasha, and Sandy for joining us today. And thank you for tuning in. Blessings into and through us all, friends. In your neighbourhood trudge two dumped Jesus friends, drowning before dawning, moving through a maze of misery to an amazing Emmaus encounter. Emerging Emmaus. Good grief, our dream is dead. Going home instead, comfort of my bed. Good grief, the pain. Hope hard to sustain, love down the drain. Good grief, where have you been? What we've seen? blown to smithereens. Good grief, how our hearts burned, our minds turned, or all we learned. Good grief, don't go away, come in to stay, you've shown the way. Good grief, how he broke the bread with hands that bled, then disappeared. Good grief, Jesus alive, no need to strive, Chance to thrive, Jesus alive. Good grief, no time to waste. Now we have a taste to Jerusalem with haste. Emerging Emmaus, a well-kent lament echoes through the years. How long, how long? Good as is the grieving process, may it be a means to access visions and dreams of Christ's kingdom come, Emmaus. Emerge from the gloom. Come, Holy Spirit, come. So for future podcasts, join us via the Sanctuary First website, Facebook page and app, and also via Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Come on, tune in.